You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Jesse McManus. Jesse has a handful of comics, uh, most recently uh, Spider Monkey, a collaboration with his old roommate, the always charming uh, Austin English, published by Austin's uh, Domino uh, Books little comics publishing adventure um and then the other book which i'm trying hard to figure out there it is uh the one you did with uh, floating world comics is it yeah how do you what is that violence Viol- valley violence valley okay do, did you look at a lot of graffiti growing up i did not really i have a um i have a friend who's a uh, super into graffiti but um no, I could I could see the connection, you know, with those uh, you know, kind of baroque, exaggerated uh, line forms mm-hmm. and whatnot, you know, like uh, and I mean, I definitely get psyched on 
you know, all kinds of, like, improvised typography, stuff like that. So, I love graffiti, but, um, but no, I, I think I was more looking at, you know, printed text mm. and comics. Yeah, um, Yeah. And then your other book, uh, which you said will probably never be finished, or is it finished? Oofta? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I'm kind of that. Uh, that's a crazy one. That's I'm kind of getting to the place where I'm content with its uh, with its unfinishedness or something. Like uh, I don't know. I drew that thing really fast. What? And it's the kind of thing where you where you you have a opportunity to go kind of insane for a couple months, mm. and then um, once you're sane again, it's hard to get back into that space. <laughs> um, and then I don't know. I kind of I I kind of think all the little blank spots in it, or the things that would be confusing to someone else. Um, I don't know. I can read it. I think it's kind of. It just keeps you know, moving. I've, yeah. That's the thing I found on the book. It's just like, but bam, 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 bam. It's just like nothing slows down. Felt like nice. I didn't have enough sugar in me to be reading it at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when I made that thing, I was feeling some kind of like self-imposed pressure that a lot of young cartoonists might feel to like make a big book but I was kind of like resentful of that idea I was even just like getting I'd see the margins in the pages of graphic novels and be like ugh hate these margins <laughs> like it's every, everything about the idea but at the same time I knew I wanted to like you know work on something for, heavily um, but I don't know, just kind of, you know, improvising it, making, putting, putting down a few sequences and then kind of having those things fold over on themselves and kind of, I don't know. In that book, there's a lot of characters that they say lines and they're maybe framed in a panel in a certain way. And then, you know, 10 pages later those same framing devices or sound effects are repeated and in kind of, I don't know, uh, chaotic ways. Um, just kind of, I like the idea of making a whole book, but have the book kind of break down on itself and have all the elements kind of hovering in the air at the end, you know, yeah. like no solution, just like energy, like your, your description of it, just like bam, bam, bam was kind of how it felt to do it, you know? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Just keep moving and keep pushing. Now, totally. I, I'm, I, I'm really curious about your background because your first published comic was in the uh, massive Kramer's Ergot 7, if I'm yeah. to be understood correct. And so yeah. tell me, how, like, how did you end up in there and where did you come from to that point? 
A short um, question. <laughs> a short version. <laughs> no, no, just what you um, control with. Well, Kramer specifically, I had been corresponding with Sammy for a lot of years. I mean, when I was like 15 or 16, I kind of got, kind of realized I could put out my own comic or something. I've been making, I don't remember like not making comics ever, but um, at that time I kind of realized I could do it and then I, maybe a year later I made a website and uh, remember Sammy ordered like all the mini comics I had for sale on it and I didn't know who he was and um, I didn't have any of them in stock so I pretty much just sent him every mini comic I made after that just out of like you know web dude gratitude or something mm-hmm. you know like if anyone's interested in your stuff you're like oh man let me give you everything I ever made um, so I just kept sending him stuff and um I'm, I got Kramer's 4 at that Mocha Fest where it came out. The timeline gets kind of confusing for me. I think maybe like 18 at that Mocha Fest. And that's where I met Austin, too. Um, and he let me sell some mini comics on his table. I was like, oh, this is the coolest guy ever. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, got Kramer's 4, and I remember, like, Poor Sailor was awesome, and the Ben Jones comic was, like, hilarious, but it took me, like, a year of just, like, looking at the book once in a while to kind of get through it, um, and yeah, Parallel, you know, then we started writing, and, um, and I would send him stuff, and sometimes I wouldn't hear back, so I'd be like, oh, shit, the comic I did was horrible, and then I'd draw another one and, you know, maybe get a response and be like, okay, you know, <laughs> keep encouragement. Um, but uh, I think it was like sophomore year of art school. In the same month, I got a letter from him inviting me to be in the Kramer 7, and I like fell in love with the girl. And it was like the best <laughs> like semester uh, in my, you know, art school tiny brain universe um but then um I threw a couple things that got rejected and that relationship dissolved and school got really hard and scary um and you know I guess Kramer's had kind of the issues had come out in the meantime, and it had gone from this book that was just in my room that I was checking out once in a while to kind of like, you know, really like the the potential world I was going to enter into once I finished school, you know? I mean, school was awesome, but when you're at the library at school and you want to look up like Blex Blex or like Fabio Viscogliosi... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, um, I don't know, like, um, is that Mark Smeets? Like, you, if you're, if you're like, a, a freaking, you know, alternative comics geek out of the womb, um, it, 
seems like a it seems like that's that's kind of like it was kind of like the um you know a, a a real world outside of the insanity of being at school that I mm. think everyone probably goes through to some degree which is you know it's true and it's not right like I mean some of my best friends and roommates and stuff have happened through comics but um it's you know it's it's also just disparate people all across the country with different lives and stuff so where did you <laughs> where did you go to art school uh, the school, the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, yeah, and so I was, I in in fact to, to make the comics connection even crazier. Like when I was thinking about what schools I was going to go to, it was like that Gansfeld issue that had the Harry Who stuff in it, like Gansfeld three. There was like, oh, cool, this this makes sense to me, like. Mm-hmm. I should go to Chicago and have these people be my teachers. And they were. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know. It's, it's always good and bad. So who were some of your teachers that you had in Chicago? Oh, well, I, w- I mean, I, I went there being obsessed with Jim Nutt, but uh, he didn't teach any drawing classes. He only taught, like, a oil painting class. So I, I glommed on to Carl Worsom, and uh, he was, like, my favorite teacher at school. And, I mean, he, taught, he teaches still a drawing for the imagination. <laughs> so you just go and draw, and then Carl freaking Worsom walks around and talks to you. <laughs> and you're like, this doesn't make any sense, but uh, it was cool. I don't know. But then I, I, when, I, when I finally got into the gym night class, I was supposed to only paint in oil. I had never painted in oil before. before, And um, I just had, like, anxiety attack every day. So <laughs> He um, just wanted to be able to impress. Yeah, or just, like, you know, I look at those um, gym nut paintings from, like, the 70s. And they're kind of like, you know, you, I get the feeling like, oh, if I, if I was really dedicated, you know, dedicated to painting, that's one potential, you know, alleyway I'd want to be pursuing is that kind of work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I kind of thought I had been doing animation classes more at school. They had a really cool, like, small animation department that I ended up in, and, um, and I don't know, it just kind of, it felt like different kinds of patience. Like, I had the patience to, like, do, you know, 3,000 drawings for, like, a two-minute movie or something, but I couldn't get down with oil painting so much, so, yeah. so whatever.
you really need um, to be able to like moving in your work like it seems like it's very energetic like i said before sure the movement right yeah, yeah. and i and i remember at some point i like caved in the class and i was like oh i'm just gonna do something in a sequence because this like thinking about one picture in one rectangle is like too much like math for me <laughs> like i want to cram everything in or something or figure out the you know some golden section stuff you <laughs> uh, go all frank you know, santoro on us uh, but I didn't have the, the I didn't have the gumption to go all the way with the, the Frankie method. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, sequencing. I've talked with Austin about this too. How you know it's kind of bizarre that it's kind of a, a kind of base level cartoonist thing where you feel more comfortable generating sequences. Mm-hmm. Than single images, but whatever. it's it's interesting that you and Austin are so tight, um, because in one way your <laughs> your arts are like complete opposites in as many ways as possible as I can think. Um, but in another way, the stories you guys are telling, there's a commonality between them. Like there's this like exuberance, maybe that I'm experiencing in the work like there's a life to it yeah sure um I mean I uh I definitely I know I know that um yeah he's especially recent things he's been doing I can mm-hmm. I can feel a real like physicality and like weird momentum like big thick characters like grabbing each other and stinking and stuff like that and um, I guess that's closer to my thing but I don't know I think at some point we established that like Mad Magazine might be like a common ground for us <laughs> somehow I mean I mean when I was a little kid I would um, I would go my, my parents were divorced and I would go every other week with my dad uh downtown to where he lived to I would just like collect mad magazines like crazy and um I was just obsessed with the the different covers you know just like these variations on the same face mm-hmm. and the and the spy versus spy um, it's always the same the same joke but done a different way yeah and I just love that you know um and um I don't know. Me and Austin would both be like, "Oh yeah, that that complete mad book or whatever." And the uh, I don't know, old Kurtzman. Yeah. I mean, I had like a copy of Hey Look, um, or the Jungle Book, uh, like always around when I was little, and that was a great thing. So I don't know. Yeah, Austin. When you at least when you talk with him, there's there's like a kind of like you know in the, the old-fashioned, like, <laughs> 20s, 30s huckster cartoonist It's probably a thing that is just a, a fabrication in my mind of a sense of humor or something, but we can connect on that. Yeah. <laughs> How did um, you, um, you... So you were roommates with Austin for a while. So you went from Chicago and you moved to New York? Yeah. I mean... 
right after school, yeah, the, the crazy stuff was, you know, those, these Kramer's pages had been rejected, and then first thing I did after I graduated was I had, like, two weeks where I um, was in my dad's house alone. He was on a trip, and that's when I drew the page that ended up in the book, just kind of, like, hyperventilating and going crazy. Um, so I did that, and then I realized, okay, I can't live in Minneapolis. I can't live in Chicago. I And the only cartoonist I felt like I, um, you know, had a connection to or, or wanted to hang out with were Matthew Thurber and Austin um, and Jason Miles, but I wasn't really ready to um, come out west. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of psyched. I'm going east, and Austin had a Facebook note saying there was a space in his place, apartment, so I went out there, um, and lived in that crazy house. Was that kind of like (laughs) a a second kind of comic school? Um, not really. It was much more like a, like a, um weird real life school <laughs> it was just like just like a social school you know not even a school just like a social experiment <laughs> just like you know I had never lived in a place with like seven people before half of whom I didn't know a few of whom were like you know friends through publications and the internet or whatever like and one of them being a, Victor Cairo yeah, um, that was the well. That was the second time I I moved there for six months, ran out of money, ran home, drew Ufta, um, uh, did landscaping work, went back, and then I was in, then I was in the Bald Eagles dungeon, as it were. <laughs> but I don't know, not really. Um, yeah, and Victor's hilarious, so. There was some some good Mortal Kombat battles. <laughs> I like the idea of uh, the Bald Eagles jungle or uh, dungeon. <laughs> yeah, he he made the first floor of the place a studio, so surrounded by Bald Eagles work and Becca, and uh, yeah, it was it was crazy, but it was I don't know. It wasn't a cartoon house yet, proper, so it couldn't. It wasn't really a, you know, it wasn't like going to the center of cartoon studies or whatever. Like, not like it is it now. It was just, it was just like, yeah, I don't know. Now there's like, but but didn't Liz and Keith leave? I don't know. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, yeah. Keith's but in Canada. Fill the spot. Yeah. They've got neon sign now. That's pretty swanky. Yeah. <laughs> What does it say? Is it just cartoons or comics? I forget. I don't know. What was that? Say that what, again? What the sign says. Does it say, like, cartoons? Is that what it is? It car- I think it says cartoon house. Maybe it doesn't say house. I think it just says cartoon. House. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good yeah. sign. I don't know where they got it. It was a art show that Bill curated. Ah. Yeah. Yes. So, so back Bill. to back to you and your your comicking um one of the most striking things about your work is your inking 
uh, ability, which is amazing. Um, Thanks, dude. Tell me about the kind of the development and what you're using. Um, well, I think probably like most cartoonists, as soon as I kind of got excited about the stuff, which had to have been really early, because I guess I was like making little books with my grandma when I was like three or something, but so like maybe like before age 10, I was kind of like psyched on the nuts and bolts of actually making the stuff, and so trying out nibs and failing and trying out bad paper and failing, um, and I think in middle school, I kind of, I was like, I was really into Kochalka, and um, there's a, I really like that um, Doug Snapple uh, series Gear. Did you ever read that? I did not. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I think it's the first thing he did when he decided he wanted to start doing comics again instead of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm a little bit more ambivalent about his comics as they go on, but um, that first, like, it was like a six-issue miniseries with, like, a super rough brush line. Sorry, the motorcycle passing me. Um, and, I don't know, that just got me psyched on drawing at the brush. Um, so I learned to do that for a number of years. When I went to school, too, like when I was in Carl's class, I would cut off my brush, cut my brush in half to, like, <laughs> get a lot of control with that tiny little brush. But now it's kind of the opposite, like trying to draw with your arm or whatever, you know, yeah. instead of your wrist. Um, but lately, it's been a combination thing. I really like those um, Japanese Tachikawa nibs. And most of the recent stuff that might look sort of like brush is like Tachikawa nib, and then I'll, you know, spot the blacks and fill in the black spaces with the brush. Or I'll thicken certain parts with the brush. Um, But, yeah, just nibs and brush and ink, man. (laughs) Um, And blue pencil sometimes. Although this week I started drawing stuff without pencil and then watercoloring it in, which has been really exciting because the blue pencil and the layers of like acrylic wash over stuff were kind of keeping me from doing coloring on the on the pages themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of not I don't really like computer doing computer coloring. I like looking at a lot of it, but um, I just I don't know. Maybe I have a crappy computer. <laughs> I, uh, so I can't, you know, I gotta like free up space every time I want to like color in a panel. So it's like, why not just watercolor it? But um, but yeah, inking's inking's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think of it, I don't think of it like inking either. I don't know. It's a drawing. Yeah. Because. Because I don't know, that's kind of like the most fun for me. My pencils can be kind of um, basic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I was wondering why you didn't do color, and so that's one of the main reasons is just haven't found a comfortable way to do it. Yeah, and also, you know, I I think at some point of you know, I know that growing up and you know sometimes when you're really down on comics, you gotta like remember what got you psyched in the first place or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And um, just like stark black and white was really exciting for me. Like I said, the spy versus spy. Um, and I, and Louis Trondheim was kind of a favorite when I was really little. Um, what else? I don't so know. So you, you got a really yeah. early start on reading really good comics, it seems like. And and that that is that's Mike Drivas and Big Brain Comics in Minneapolis. I had a good store. Um and he was an awesome dude because I was a little kid going in there and I was allowed to look at whatever I wanted and I would go up and ask for recommendations and you know, it was a great place. Also, when I was like six, my mom and stepdad opened up a children's bookstore in Minneapolis called Wild Rumpus that has animals live in the store running around <laughs> and I was kind of just totally submerged in you know kids books of all kinds and, and that's, I saw like you know Acme Novelty Library through that store at a really you know whenever those were coming out the big issues Mm-hmm. And um, I remember someone giving me the Quimby, one of those Sparky's comics and stories issues. We had a we had a cat named Sparky. After that, but uh, they 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 gave me the thing. They said, you know, each each one of these little panels, he draws each one on like a, you know, five by five inch tile. And I was like, no way, which of course is totally not true. But it was like so exciting <laughs> that, that that like someone that someone had drawn this and it had gone through like some, you know, handful of phases to become this like artifact. Mm-hmm. Well, is it, have you looked at Chris Ware originals? I looked at some, yeah. I saw the uh, Thanksgiving uh, pages and it was neat because you could see how he'd originally drawn it in the blue pencil and what he had yeah. ended up doing and there's like all these interesting variations within the page. Totally. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard the same thing about like Walt Kelly. Yeah. Like I've never seen a Pogo original, but I guess they're just like, you know, a Pollock painting of blue lines and then like this simple, you know, clear brush line over it. Um, just from all the choices he was making, I don't know. But I've never seen one. Maybe that's another fabrication. <laughs> I know they had some at Fanographics recently at their uh, shop, but well, I didn't get down to... there. Jason Miles is either off about that then. <laughs> there you go. What's the core on the floor? What's the core on the floor? What the devil was that for? What the devil was that for? What's the core on the floor?
What's it been like for you? You're in Portland now. What was the choice to go and move over to the West Coast? Um, it was rain and affordability. Um, and I guess a couple friends, you know, like one of my good friends from school, named Andy Mattia, is uh, out here, and so I moved moved out here to hang out with him and draw and play drums and it's just a, it's a lot cheaper mm-hmm. I think I mean well not a lot cheaper but you know I I'm able to have a an apartment or a, a room and studio and stuff for a couple hundred dollars less than I had for the you know closet in in the 282 building yeah. um, but you know to each their own. I'm, it's it's bizarre because I'm like, there's a obviously like a whole clutch of cartoonists here in town, but and I'm I mean I'm friendly with those people, but but I'm I the drawing stuff is pretty isolating, so I couldn't say like community. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a reason. Um, it was more that whenever it rains like my brain deflates and it's just like it's kind of the and you know there's a lot of trees and stuff so it's um i just like overcast skies and stuff kind of a boring reason (laughs) i find it uh, interesting though like how rain works for you though like it seems very in tune to you yeah i don't know i mean maybe this summer i'll crawl out of my cave a little bit more but um but yeah, I think it's just I think it's growing up in Minnesota and then going to Chicago for school. I started to really dislike the um short fall and spring and long summer and long winter. Yeah. Um that that's the kind of climate that'll turn you into a cartoonist, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dangerous path. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. Yeah, more or less. It I mean, I'm a I'm a Vancouver boy, um, born and raised, and so I've never really experienced these extreme summers and winters, and I can't sure. understand it, and I don't want <laughs> to. Well, then you can just sit in your lap of luxury and um, <laughs> <laughs> gaze out at the the people who are building character in the streets, you know, with with their fingers falling off from cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. How can you cartoon without fingers? Ah, you gotta, you gotta rub those paws together. I don't know. You tape a brush to your stump. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good answer. <laughs> I, don't know. I like but, that. Um... <laughs> tape a brush to your stump. Um, is that your <laughs> suggestion for folks that want to get into drawing comics? Is to tape a brush. Tape a brush to your stump. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, or um, <laughs> yeah, you got to get a stump first. Yeah. Um. That's the <laughs> so, what was it like for you working on Spider Monkey with Austin and having someone write your story? Um. It was cool. I mean, we had kind of brainstormed it when he was living here for a little bit. He needed to 
think, get his visa or something to live in Sweden, and so he was staying in Portland for a short period of time. And, you know, we had talked about comics and uh, what we... I think I had, like, writer's block, and I was just kind of churning out stuff that kind of looked... stuff that was in my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. <laughs> you could say. And uh, he, we were just kind of talking about what kind of comic we'd like to see which was kind of just like a corny image comic or something you know just or but I was we were going to the comic store here and I was looking at golden age comics for kind of the first time in the flesh and um, and I don't know just we kind of laid down I found a notebook recently when I moved with, you know, our, our, like, ten bullet points of the first issue, and it's pretty spot on, considering we just, like, talked about it, and then he went off and wrote something. Um, but he sent me the script, and then I got a job at a daycare, and I was so stressed from that job that I never wanted to come home and, like, work from someone else's script, mm-hmm. even though I love the script. Um, so I drew Keyhole and Violence Valley in the meantime. And the Keyhole comic is on the Domino Books website. Um, and then when I finished those things, I think unemployed at some point. And, yeah, I just got really into drawing from the script. And so the cool thing about that is that some of the pages, like, I think the first five pages were drawn pretty soon after he left town. And then the rest of the book was drawn, you know, like, eight months later, um, when I could kind of get back into the rhythm, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, I kind of, there's an open enough structure in that story that, um, that I like the idea of it, of, you know, forcing myself to kind of change styles and move into different territories and um you know with the script you know just try to interpret the script each time in a different way and have maybe a comic that changes a lot over the course of it at the same time that may totally not happen because i know that you know when you get cranking on something it kind of get into a groove with it and then it kind of forms its own it's kind of like you can tell yourself to change your style, but sometimes you can't, you know, like, yeah. cause I, cause I don't really know what it looks like, you know, especially after I've done it, it's like you get an amnesia and like very rarely like, yeah, like I nailed that page. It's like, <laughs> it's always just like, you know, you did it and you got that energy out or something, but who knows what the hell it is until Robin McConnell comes along and (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Uh, nothing cool me neither (laughs) so it's fun it's fun working from a script I don't know I mean it's a pretty loose script and he 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 you know the dialogue is all set in stone but he gives me so much room to just draw cool stuff yeah like in the second issue He's like, like the first ten pages of it or something are like 
really slapsticky and just like action and movement and I'm actually putting putting off drawing it for a little bit because I, I'm just like stoked and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing drawing a lot of cool stuff nice um, yeah um, so that's what you kind of have happening in the future is more more spider monkey yeah more, more, more violence spider valley monkey. no more violence valley um because Jason was awesome to put that book out mm -hmm. and it kind of for me it kind of sealed sealed the cap on that I'd done a few other stories that were like sort of set in violence valley or just me thinking about what that place could be um and uh I did all those stories when I was feeling kind of crappy so um even though I like them. Yeah. But I, but I don't, I kind of don't want to go back to Violence Valley. <laughs> <laughs> um, scary place. But, um, but I love, I mean, it, it was the most, I'm so, you know, just like I'm super grateful to Sammy for like giving me the chance to like have an anxiety attack on paper and have thousands of people see it or something. <laughs> like I'm, I'm super grateful to, uh, to Jason because I literally just like went to an event at Floating World and he'd sold my mini comics and stuff before but I just walked up and said like I've got this finished book you publish stuff right and I love that book The Caterer have you have you seen that that comic that he did he published which the, I don't know if I have The, the Caterer by Jeff Lynch it's, it's just like a deconstructed bizarre comic. I can't even like go into it. It's so it's so awesome. But um I just really liked what they had done. What he had done at Floating World and I literally just like emailed him the files and then like six months later I had a comic. You know? And yeah. it's like it's insane. That's the good thing about comics world. Yeah. No, there's a good there's, there's a there's a good scene of things where you're at in Portland. Like, I really like what's going on there with Floating World. Yeah, and and it's close to you, so you can you can just feel like a a cool neighbor or something, right? Kind of. You can be like, oh yeah, I know I know that place. I can go there. No big deal. <laughs> no biggie. It was pretty yeah. amazing for me shopping there when I was down there in March. And I bought a pretty big stack of stuff of just like. Oh yeah, I saw your haul, your pictures of your haul. <laughs> yeah, you publicized that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I, I I can't I can't I rarely have a haul like that anymore. In fact, I just got I just got a pile of stuff from the Stumptown Fest, and I'm I'm. I'm just waiting. Just How, waiting on it. Yeah. It's uh it it gets daunting. Too many comics, too much stuff to read. Wah wah. Totally. Somebody call me a wambulance. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, really yeah. you really submerge yourself into into comics though. I feel like it's like it's it's a fabric of your being. It's like what? A fabric of your being. 
Me? Like it, yeah, comics are a core part of who you are. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like a practice, you know? And yeah. It's, it's just like I know that if I don't do it, I'll feel I'll feel bad. <laughs> I'll like, I won't get that energy out, and I won't get those ideas out, and I won't get that time to kind of be alone and just like... You know, because I, I love the real world and people, <laughs> but I feel like if I don't work on that stuff, then it's harder for me to love those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's also just like super, um, super immediate, even though it's, even though it's like takes a long time for response for books or whatever, or for books to come out. It's like, I feel like people don't talk enough about how you can come to a page with kind of a lot of energy and just get lost, even though that's kind of corny, but it's like, for me, just like, even being able to sit down and um, uh, just do that, it's... <laughs> <laughs> is uh, really exciting. Um, just a bummer once you're finished with it and then you're like, what the hell is this? Um, but it's cool. Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> he kind of stumped me with that last little thing there. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thank Thanks, Jesse, for taking the time to yak comics with me today. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Long-time listener, first-time talker. I know. Austin's been telling me for a long time I need to talk to you. And now I've talked to you. <laughs> a reminder, cool. folks, okay. I've been talking to Jesse McManus. His books are Violence Valley uh, from Floating World Comics, Spider Monkey from Domino Books, and Oofta from Jesse's... Uh, Hey, hey, that, hey, let me, can I interject? Yeah. Uh, Ufta is not actually for sale. There's like a oh. PDF of it on my website somewhere. But you should um, go to cartographyclub.tumblr.com. And I've been posting like a Tons. year's worth of like un unshared drawings and comics. So that's kind of the spot to go to if you want to see something right now. Cartographyclub.tumblr.com. <laughs> I will Etc. Yeah. I will be linking to that with the the interview as well. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you, Robin. Talk to you later. Down among the daisies in the glen, gives a little elf of joy. If you go on tiptoe now and then. We see him dancing heel and toe In his suit of green with red lapels Tripping up and down goes he Tapping out the time of silver bells Whistling the tune of fancy play See him hop See him skip See him jump See him skip, see him jump, 
you all away. You were dancing well.